Before I say anything, let me assure you, the listener, this is not a conspiracy theorist podcast episode that denies the fact that there is a pandemic and the pandemic isn't real. The pandemic is serious. People are really getting sick. People are really dying. And the healthcare system in the regions around the world are being overwhelmed. There are some serious questions about who knew what and when in regards to this pandemic. I met Monica Perez this weekend on Twitter while posting about our latest episode from April 4th, 2020, Event 201 Conspiracy. The first thing that she said or wrote to me online, and I'm paraphrasing, that's the topic that got us taken off terrestrial radio last month. And she included a link to her own show page titled Everything You Need to Know About Novel Coronavirus Simulated in Real World, posted March 13th, 2020. I read what she sent to me, and there are a lot of things that are eerily similar to what Jay and I said on our own podcast. It's sort of like we kind of came to the same conclusion, but from two different directions. What happened during the pandemic exercise called 201 in October 2019 is playing out almost exactly the same way the real-world pandemic is playing out in the crippled New York City during the month of March and this month, April, of this year, 2020. This has to be an amazing coincidence. There's absolutely no way that these organizations who participated in this pandemic simulation could have known what was going to happen. But if they did know something was going to happen, then the implications are frightening. The more I read her show notes and listened to the episodes of her podcast that addressed Event 201 and read what many other people said and wrote on their platforms, it became clear to me that this is either the most incredible coincidence in the history of the pandemic exercises These experts are really smart to have been able to predict what would happen in the real world through their simulations or something else is going on. It's okay to believe that this is a coincidence if that makes you feel better or you know something I don't. Before I hit the record button on this interview, Monica and I were talking about how we started podcasting. I told her stories about how I learned that my dad was a spook or he tried to convince me that he wasn't a spook despite his crazy background and knowledge base. And she told me the story about how she just fell into this after a chance meeting with her future show producer at a party. It didn't take too long before I felt as if we'd known each other for a long time and we hit our stride almost immediately in this first episode together. And when I say first episode together, I mean I hope we do more in the future. If you're looking for the next Jimmy Dore or Joe Rogan, check her show out. From her webpage, political talk show host Monica Perez and her propaganda-obsessed co-host Brad Binkley analyze media propaganda and news events, providing clarity from the chaos. As a narco-capitalist, i.e. extreme libertarian, Monica is an uncompromising defender of personal liberty. As a humorist with a fetish for propaganda analysis and psychology, Brad just likes exposing the lies of the elites. Politics is a con game. Be sure to listen to Monica Perez's show and visit her website, thepropreport.com, and find her podcast, The Propaganda Report, on your favorite platform. 
This is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show's interview with Monica Perez of the Propaganda Report from April 7th, 2020. Once again, I'm your host, Eric Runder King Fisk, and enjoy the show. So of course I, I do this podcast every week, and you said that you you have your you had your Saturday show, and you do all of this research, and then coincidentally you and I did research into event two hundred one that occurred. I'm trying to think. It was October that they did event October eighteenth. October eighteenth. So. You did your research into Event 201 around the same time I did my research to 201. I mentioned it on Twitter, and then you said, that's what got me fired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I tried to send, I put, I took the time just to put together a blog post with a lot of important stuff about I Event know. 201 so that people could share it because it's such a smoking gun. I mean, it's impossible to deny that this completely preposterous, implausible course of events that we are watching unfold before us right. had actually had a blueprint that was rolled out in October. I mean, I mean, it's, it's almost, I mean, I would say so far and we're not done yet. No. It has tracked 80% just so, or maybe 95% on right. the, the timeline to date. Well, let's try and unpackage what, from your perspective, what was event 201? Well, event 201, just to say a sentence of what it what it says it was, is the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates and Johns Hopkins got together with there were 15 representatives of big organizations, international organizations, the media, big pharma, whatever, at a table. There were a lot of other people who were right. dialed in on the phone. There was the World Health Organization was involved. The CDCs of China and the U.S. were involved. And they scenarioed out, as they say, yep. a live simulation of a novel coronavirus that they said would uh, the few kind of salient points is the one thing that, thank God, has not happened, but it's an 18-month rollout. So they say by the end, 65 million people die. That, I'm hoping, is not true. But they the things that happened were after it started in Brazil, but it went from a bat to a pig to a farmer. Right. And this one, that the novel coronavirus that did start to emerge in the news in November, a month later, supposedly went from a bat to a Pagolin or Pagolin, whatever, right. in China. So that's the only difference so far that I really see. And that it spread because it had mild flu-like symptoms or no symptoms at all. So people didn't know they were sick. They were international travelers. They would arrive at their destination only to find a few hours later that they got sick and mm -hmm. had infected a lot of people. Yep. Anyone infected infects two people. There was a, like a 10% infection rate and actually a higher death rate. So, or I forget what the infection and death rate, those are probably variable too. But she said that like they had fake newscasts that included an 11% dip in 
GDP, 20 to 40% decline in the stock market. And both of those are tracking right now. Yeah. And I think the thing to watch out for is that it's, she says that at six months, for, which for us would be in May, there was a flashpoint where we thought we had the virus under control, but we didn't. And then for the next 12 months, things really raged. And that's when you had uh, economic impact that lasted for a decade and societal impacts that lasted even longer. Right. Right. So what what really was it? And one thing that they really emphasized was that conspiracy theories justify created protests and also made it difficult for the authorities to do what they had to do. So they used the conspiracy theories as a reason to suppress media and all that. So for me, I'm going to say I go a little deeper and, and I maybe we yeah. they, I don't know. But the two things that I think I have like kind of a little deeper I'm going on this is one is people are like, Oh, there was a bioweapons lab outside of Wuhan. Exactly. And that's where it comes from. I think they made it. They chose Wuhan as the place, the ground zero for the psychological operation because it is industrial. It is very smoggy and um, polluted. It has a lot of old people who smoked there. Yeah. There's a lot of things that would just, I mean, I'd like to see their normal pneumonia rate. It was probably what would look kind of like a pandemic if applied to like a cleaner city and that it was right near China's biggest or highest level bioweapons lab, which is why Wuhan 400 was a virus that was described in a Dean Koontz novel and other parallels with yeah. Wuhan. The reason Wuhan has come up before in ways that make this look super conspiracy-ish is that that's where the bioweapons lab is. So that's why they chose it, in my opinion. I don't think it's a bioweapon. I think they chose it to foster these conspiracy theories. And I would take it one step further and say, Event 201 may in itself be what I think is called an Easter egg. It's there for me, people like me and you, yeah. to find so that we focus solely on the pandemic quality, the things that are coming out of the pandemic. It's like as the pandemic, when in reality... I had actually been really puzzling over this weird, uh, like never before experienced financial situation where I didn't think that they had vetted the 2008 crisis, that other shoe never dropped, especially the European bond crisis never dropped. We were 11 years into an expansion. The interest rates were at 2% when normally an expansion will end like 10 years out and you'll have two years of kind of recession and recovery that the government takes down the percentage interest rate by five percentage points. So if it was at seven, it would go down to two. If it was at 10, it would go down to five, roughly. Now, I'm not a Keynesian. I don't like that stuff, but that's what they're doing, what exactly. they do. And I was like, they're not doing that. So they're not going to be able to do that. So what are they going to do? Negative interest rates and, and all of this at the same time that I think the establishment, whether you look at it as left, right, capitalist, socialist, top, bottom, I don't care what it is. They all want Trump. And you know why? Because right now he's pushing a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. He rubber stamps everything. Everybody wants Trump, even though everyone acts like they hate him. And I thought, how are they going to get this guy back in there with such a precarious economic position, they would have to stimulate. And how would they explain stimulating when this guy's supposed to be, you know, it's the economy, stupid. That's that's the only justification for reelecting him is that people are greedy. You know, I'm not saying that's true, but I'm saying that's how they would, they would say that's why he won. And I thought if they can't kick this can past the election, they're going to have to do something. And then if you look at how they are actually 
what they're actually doing. If you didn't know there was a pandemic, you would never think that. You would absolutely think the 2008 crisis was worse than we thought. They kicked that can. There was a total debt collapse imminent, so they had to make the money supply absolutely infinite, which is what they did, and they have to have a series of $2 trillion fiscal stimuluses just to keep the hierarchy, the financial hierarchy, the global corporation hierarchy in situ. Like It's the only way to do it is this. And then you back into the pandemic, but by focusing on event 201, you focus on the pandemic when if you actually just looked at the policies, they're restructuring the world economically, technologically, societally, and they're shoring it up financially in a way that you could never have happen if 7 billion people weren't literally in fear for their lives and totally blinded by suspending the First Amendment. One of the things that also my co-host and I, Jason, had had talked about is that um, one of the biggest news stories that we covered just a short while ago was the looming bubble that was going to pop for corporate debt because the the bubble that burst in 2008-2009 was the mortgage-backed security bond market bubble. And people were looking for places to put their money. You can't put them into mortgage-backed securities anymore because that's volatile people were starting to look at um, bonds that were or uh, tied into corporate debt and of course the corporations are spending money like crazy there's all there's stock bond buybacks like what boeing did that that's got them into a lot of trouble and um Executive well, it's con- like yeah. it's like Trump is saying we need infrastructure bonds, a 50 year bond because interest rates are near zero. I mean, it is just a moral hazard to have that. But I want to say the tech bubble that burst like around the time of 9-11, if I recall correctly. Exactly. I yeah. heard the same story about that, that they took that money and redirected it into the mortgages. And then the mortgages were redirected into the corporate bonds. And it leaves a, a devastation in its wake. So like the tech industry, what's left in tech? Just the big guys. What's done with mortgage? You have much less home ownership. What's going to happen with the corporate debt? The little guys are going to go away and the big guys will remain standing, will suck up all their assets and get the bailouts. Because we, we're not the first podcasters to say this. Because <laughs> right. the, the thing is, is that what we're looking at right now is fascism, where the corporations run the government and the government runs the corporations. That they're they're the two of them. There's no conflict of interest. Their interests intersect quite nicely. Uh, the old Stephen Colbert joke. Um, Yes, right. <laughs> what's what's really going on here is the consolidation of power. Um, Dennis um, Dennis Radigan has said this on the Jimmy Dore show. Uh, Tim Pool has been talking about this on his podcast. Joe Rogan has had um, people on his show saying this is what's really going on here. It's in. Um, there's a lot of things that are that are that are going on that ought to frighten people when they look just beyond the coronavirus and um, the, the pandemic and um, the, the, the bailouts. Um, a lot of the things that, and I know that this sounds like a crazy conspiracy theorist podcast, but a lot of the things that um, Alex Jones said that got him into trouble, talking about the pedophile ring that was being run out of New York City that touches Washington, D.C., and and Hollywood 
People thought he was crazy about saying that. Then we have this guy, Harvey Weinstein, who, um, and um, Jeffrey Epstein. Um, people had said for years, there's something wrong with Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein is, uh, is a predator. And people say, oh, that's, you know, that's, no, not Harvey Weinstein. The, the, the Me Too movement started up. And, and, and people were saying, yeah, I, w I was abused by Harvey Weinstein. And the whole thing with um, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein was caught running a pedophile ring for the richest, most powerful people in the United States and other countries like Prince Andrew out of England. And it was just like, you want to go back. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Alex Jones is any kind of a saint, but even a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, I think that he he worked for your dad basically because I think he's there yeah. as a limited hangout, puts a lot of stuff out there that's valid, it's very convincing, it opens a lot of eyes and then I actually coined a somewhat off-color yep. phrase taint agent because yeah. I feel like he then acts crazy which taints the really valid stuff like anything he touches kind of turns to poop because yeah. people don't, they want to distance and it's like, oh, you sound like Alex Jones. It's like, well, whatever. But right, you, know, right. you have to be able to tell the truth right. between the truth and a lie. And with the pedophiles, I don't think that, I think that's obviously nothing new. I mean, it's absolutely ancient. And I don't think that there will be much kind of coming to justice. Yeah. Like Bill Cosby, for example, I don't know what kind of bad stuff he was up to, but what he went to jail for isn't really like he was railroaded and Harvey Weinstein, if you actually look at what he was convicted for, like that's not what I would, I'm sure he's done much worse stuff right. than that. And it's even like what Trump was impeached for. It's like, come on, like th this stuff is our nothing burgers. You could dig into these people's history and find a real crime. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that Tulsi Gabbard took a lot of heat for when she voted um, present on impeachment and she People were angry with her, but she didn't. They they did not look at her press release. And what she said is that listen, this is weak sauce. If you really wanted to go for Donald Trump and you want to get him out of office, you want to go for the violations of, of the emoluments clause in the Constitution. He's profiting off of off of his office. It's even worse than that. It's worse than that. No, I can tell you, like, that thing of the emoluments with that D.C. post office in 2012, around the time he decided to run, Diane Feinstein's husband was, like, a chairman or he's on the board or whatever of the realtors that were tasked with divesting the U.S. government of some of their valuable properties and the DC post office, a 99 year lease on the DC post office was one of them. And this is a classic way. This is why I hate like the expression privatization or whatever, is that they take something that's a monopoly or whatever, and they award it to a crony for below market value. And then that crony is the monopolist, a private monopolist who now can get super, super rich. But that DC post office, Trump got it against the objection of people who were better qualified, who made better bids on it. And he is just about to, he's actually trying right now quietly to sell it at, a, I think it's a $500 million profit. So he was not permitted to own that lease from the day he took office. It was not something that an elected official was permitted to own. Right. And nobody pursued that in Congress. Like even the emolument stuff, it's like, you know what, but why aren't you taking this thing, which they don't have to put him in jail for it or impeach him for it, but they have to take it away from him. And that, in my opinion, was his actual greatest source of wealth. I read a book called Trump Nation and- mm -hmm. 
that guy said he was not so rich. And then Trump sued the guy and dropped the charges eventually, I think, because he knew he was going to lose. Timothy O'Brien, I think the guy's name was. So when I saw the D.C. post office, people were like, why would Trump want to be president? He's just a good guy who cares about this country. I'm like, that guy is a Kardashian, basically. He's not Mark Cuban. He's got... He trademarks big buildings and stuff, but that's not where the real, real money is. This D.C. post office, that would probably double his wealth. And that is, I think, where – so that's the kind of stuff. And right. also, like, when he had his casinos, he didn't have to go through the normal process of getting vetted. I mean, I, I, I've had – I've been investigated because somebody I knew was get, trying to get work at a casino. Like, it's really right. strict how they do that. Right. And, uh, you know, you can, you can go – Every penny his family ever made had something to do with the government. Like the casino was a government license. His father's projects were government licenses. The Rothschilds, Baldwin, the Sarsas. And uh, at the day, I think there was um, maybe around that same time, 2012, there was a storage facility where their government records were stored about the Roy Cohn disbarment hearing that Trump testified at. In on behalf of Roy Cohn, who from whom I think he ran, he learned all his tricks about manipulating people, right? And uh, and that thing went up in flames, was absolutely destroyed by arson, like right when Trump filed. Like I, I and I'm I'm not a hater. I don't hate Trump. I just think he's he's not Batman. <laughs> he's just another crony. He, well, but he, here's here's what's driven me crazy since 1980 because. I'm, I, I've been a news junkie and a, and a, and a political nerd since the fifth grade. Um, whoever is anointed as the party nominee, somehow that person is suddenly deified. You can't say anything bad. If you're a Democrat, you can't say anything bad about Jimmy Carter back in 1980. You, if you're a Republican, you can't say anything bad about Ronald Reagan back in 1980. 80. Even Wasn't that his 11th commandment? Yeah, oh, that's his, thou shall not speak ill of another party member. Right. Um, and, that's, and that's happening even more today. Whereas in, in 2016, Hillary, there's so much evidence that points to Hillary Clinton is, is corrupt and dirty. And I'm not talking, let's say, get the, get the crazy murders or accidental deaths that have surrounded the Clintons. Let's just look at the Clinton Foundation and let's just see like the whole um, pay to play um, conspiracy theory or guess or the speculation where people are saying that Hillary Clinton profited off of her office as Secretary of State and was taking donations through the Clinton Foundation to, to get her to rule or judge or to give the uh, give the yes or the nod to whoever was asking the State Department for favors after they donated to the Clinton Foundation. There is so much evidence that the Clinton Foundation is, is corrupt and a money laundering scheme for somebody. I'm not saying and I'm not saying that the Clintons are doing it just to enrich their own pockets. What I'd like to say is that they're doing it for somebody. I don't know who now just because I don't know who they're doing it for doesn't mean it's not really going on. Well, Epstein was on the ground floor of that. And who's he working for? He was he now Jeffrey Epstein was one of the founding members of the Clinton Foundation. 
And I mean, I think he was working for someone because his whole rich guy story was pretty sketchy. There yeah. was no SEC filings about his dealings as a financial manager. He only had one client, I think, the guy, yeah. what's his face, who did the Victoria's Secret stuff, <laughs> apropos. And um, he, so I think he was just another one of these created persons, a created billionaire there to be a billionaire. And, and but he was really maybe a spy. And of course, the obvious question people like to ask is for whom? We don't know. And we're, and we're not saying that we know. But the thing is, it was we're missing a couple of pieces of the puzzle. And there's all... Because the thing is, is that it's so easy to get sidetracked. We started talking about Event 201. And that now we're talking about Epstein and, and, his, um, and his pedophile ring. One of the things that I had learned just a couple of days ago is that the executor of Jeffrey Epstein's estate is a close associate to Bill Gates. The, these sharks all swim in the same circles. Now, I don't know. Is uh, There's a couple of things I also wanted to ask you about here, and I'm actually calling up the show page that I created for, for, for this specific show here. Um, what... What do you what do you think of the Naval War College games? Um, and it was called um, Urban um, Urban Outbreak, and that that was held um, it, also back in 2019. I think it was held in uh, July and August of last year. Was that so? This I don't know about that one. I know there was the Crimson Contagion. That's another one. That's Which the, was another one. That, that was another one that I was going to ask you about. There's, well, there's a massive rash of these exercises that they had, these outbreaks, these outbreak exercises. I, I at first blush when I looked at Crimson Contagion, which was kind of the government's version of what happens when we have a big pandemic, I think they used an actual flu, that what I thought my impression was of that was that they basically laid out the weaknesses in the government's power and ability to roll out everything that they would roll out in the face of a pandemic. And I kind of felt like Event 201 took that ball and ran with it by doing what they do, what the World Economic Forum does, which is they want to get businesses to work hand in hand with governments to get governments to use their power to do certain things and get government to kind of enable businesses to do things above the law. Cause right. that came up several times in eventual one that they would kind of try to circumvent legal liability and regulatory barriers. So on the one hand, that's kind of the government getting businesses to do what it wants. And then on the other hand, it said they want businesses to be, to have the incentive to go and lobby the government for exactly these things. So I kind of felt like Crimson Contagion, I don't know if they worked hand in hand, but when I looked at Crimson Contagion, I was like, they are showing you the holes and Event 201 is filling it. But again, I feel like we might be this might be a trail of breadcrumbs to lead us. The pandemic has huge, a big, big agenda list, huge list yeah. agenda items. But I, I do think that this is a, a financial bailout with the pandemic reverse engineered to, to justify it in a way that would not be scrutinized. I just want to read this for the listeners. 
and just do a quick search. I no longer use Google when I do any searches. I'm now using nice. DuckDuckGo because, yeah. I, and, and I'll get into this in a second, um, because um, Google has been censoring um, uh, search engine results. But just do a quick search on DuckDuckGo for a Crimson Contagion. Crimson Contagion was a simulation addressed by the Department of Health and Human Services from January to August 2019 that tested the capacity of the United States federal government and 12 U.S. states to respond to a severe influenza pandemic originating in China. <laughs> I missed that. Okay. I'll, 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 it's actually in our, in our show notes. And this all basically took place in Chicago. What if there was a massive... Yes. Yes. So patient zero was in Chicago, like the first human to human transmission. That one did track very closely to what happened in Chicago for this COVID-19. So, th so, there, so there's that. And of course, we have the aforementioned, um, the uh, Navy War College and their um, operation urban outbreak urban outbreak urban outbreak um official uh, website of the united states navy before COVID 19 u.s navy naval war college games um examined epidemic responses um the naval war college ran a pandemic war game exercise in 2019 the conclusions were eerie and that's from yahoo news um that was posted on april 1st um eerie now, i'll have to look it, at that it, when it, they say it, like a bizarre coincidence well just, what, like what what do you what do you call people when they say that everything is a, con a coincidence what do you call them coincidence oh crazy coincidence oh. conspiracists now here's they have crazy coincidence theory <laughs> now one of the things that happened here in the boston area and I'm just going to read this headline. Suspected SARS virus and flu samples found in luggage. FBI reports described China's biosecurity risk. And this is published back on, again, on Yahoo News um, on March 30th. Here in the Boston area, there was either an MIT or a Harvard University student who was caught trying to smuggle contagions in his luggage like he had tubes and vials of of anthrax and 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 flu viruses like a little dirty bomb not not in a, in a dirty bomb, just vials like in his tubes in his tube socks in his luggage he was trying which to, way was he going i think he i think he was actually trying to smuggle them well how about if eric how about we actually open up the article does that eric? sound like a good idea all right and I had all of these pages open before uh, my page crash. Uh, my, yeah, my, glitches my, out. You can't yeah. do it. Um, this is, um, in late November 2018, just over a year before the first coronavirus was identified in Wuhan, China, U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents at Detroit Metro. Oh, this is another story. This is another one. Detroit Metro Airport stopped a Chinese biologist with three vials labeled antibodies in his luggage the biologist the biologist told the agents that a colleague in china asked for him to deliver these vials to a researcher at the u.s institute at a u.s institute after examining the vials however custom agents came to alarming conclusions quote 
inspection of the writings on the vials and the stated recipient led inspection personnel to believe the materials contained within these vials may have been Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, and Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, material says an unclassified FBI technical intelligent report obtained by U.S. I'm sorry, by um, Yahoo News. That's interesting. I there there. I've read. I'm reading a book right now called "Inventing the AIDS Virus" by Peter Duesberg, who was a really well-renowned virologist. I think he's still at at Berkeley now. He's mm-hmm persona non grata because he wrote this book, but it's very well documented and very compelling. And they talk about the difficulty they've had in truly isolating viruses, then introducing it into a new host and finding that that host has the same symptoms. So if they like, if they, if it were a bacteria, I'd be more convinced that that was really what you see is what you get in that story. But I'm going to do some more homework on on that, like I, the virus thing is a little trickier, I think, than the straight up kind of uh, infectious disease like a leprosy or strep throat or, you know, stuff that's bacterial. So but I, that might be too far, too, too far down the rabbit hole to think that, virology that, that, is that, not a defi- is not a very perfect science. No, and it, it, it gets it gets even scarier here because um, this other story that I had found. And this, this is from one of my local newspapers. This is from the Worcester Telegram. Worcester is, um, is our second largest city in Massachusetts. Um, over government's objection, judge in Worcester releases Chinese researcher accused of trying to smuggle cancer cells to China. Um, this is a student who was actually in, in the region. Um, a federal judge in Worcester Friday ordered a Chinese researcher accused of trying to smuggle cancer cells to China released before trial, denying a request from prosecutors that he delay his order while they appealed. I'm not even going to try and pronounce this guy's first name. Uh, Zeg is his Zeg is his last name. Had no comment as he walked out of U.S. District Court in Worcester, bound for his apartment in Boston, where he will be under GPS monitored house arrest. Zeg was arrested in December after authorities at Logan Airport found 21 vials of cancer cells in a suitcase that he was taking to China. Now, you couple that with Mm -hmm. the article. Now, have you been following Whitney Webb online? I uh, was... I used to read her all the time. I've noticed she's kind of made a resurgence. She did a lot of great work on Epstein. That was yep. probably the last time I saw what she had to offer, although I know she just started her own platform. Yep. So I expect a lot from her. Oh, yeah, she did something about there. in. Oh, that's right. She did have a great article about this in that in January, she talked about how U.S. military intelligence was kind of planning to control how this pandemic unfolded and that the scandal was that it wasn't the health authorities, it was military intelligence. And of course, my thought was that's because it's a PSYOP. I'm not saying there isn't a real bug that is going to make people sick, but I'm saying that the main purpose of this thing is that it's a controlled psychological operation with these kind of, it's like a war. 
that's how they're talking yeah. about it. That's how they're treating it. But yes, yeah, she wrote a great article about that, but I haven't read anything from her since then. The, ar- the article that she wrote that is actually up on AmericaVagabond.com, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, The Last Great, uh, The Last American Vagabond. <laughs> I'll, get it, I'll get it right someday, I promise you. Um, bats, gene editing, and bioweapons. Recent DARPA experiments raise concerns amid coronavirus outbreak. This is one of those things that I had been following for for quite a while with the notion that um, many agencies around the world have been toying with viruses and seeing how bad can they make bad really get. Yeah, that's called a gain of function, right? Yes. Gain of function. One of of the things that had one of the reasons why I I became so fascinated with this is because a, um, a year ago to make a little bit of extra money to buy some. And that's, and that's the thing. If you want to keep kids off drugs, get them into podcasting because they'll have no money <laughs> left for drugs. And no time. So um, I was trying to get, uh, get some scratch together for some more podcast equ- uh, equipment. So I was driving for Lyft and I was in the Boston area and I picked up a passenger. And like what happens with all passengers is that we get into a conversation and Lyft and Uber passengers are obsessed and fascinated with what their drivers do when they're not driving for the, for the ride share. And I, and I told this young, this young lady that I picked up and I was, and I'll tell you exactly where I was. We were on Storo drive driving between the exits between uh, Fenway park and Copley square. It's a, it's a short little bit, short little stretch of little highway. And I told her that I have a podcast and I talk about conspiracy theories, unexplained phenomenon, um, unsolved mysteries, and news of the week. Well, how about you? What do you do? And very quietly, she meeked and and very meekly say, it's very interesting you say that because um, I'm a doctoral student in the field of virology. Mm. And and I'm like, that's 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 kind of interesting. And it says, well, I mean, tell me about like what it is that you do and, and what do you like about it? And she says, what do I like about it? Nothing. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean? And, and I'm paraphrasing. She said the one thing that keeps her up at night is the fact that there are so many institutions that are now using gene splicing tools like CRISPR to mm-hmm. play with viruses. And her, the fear that she has the most is that um, something in a lab somewhere is going to break out either by accident or on purpose. It's most likely going to be an accident because you have all of these countries that just don't seem to understand what, what, the, what the phrase level four containment means. And Yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately worried about gene editing and that kind of thing. And actually the Chinese, the, I think it was Harvard guy the chemistry guy who was arrested maybe or in any case fired Lieber I think his name was who was in cahoots with China and the talented whatever lights program he was working on nanotech that actually I believe implanted nano devices in the brains of soldiers which China is also working on to make it kind of super cyborg you know it's a cyborg soldier really human being with embedded computer stuff that's what he was 
was working on. And that kind of thing can go hand in hand with the gene splicing stuff. And that's a problem because that gets passed on without anybody's consent. And you're also, when it, if it is going to get into the gene pool, what you're doing is you're forcing this onto unconsenting, you know, future people. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, it's not, it's, it's, it's so, it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole and to, um, cause you, you, you just, you just do a quick search for Harvard professor, China arrested. See now CNN, I don't know how you feel about CNN. It's not, but we have a saying it's not true unless CNN says it's true. Harvard, I think Fox and CNN are equally 100% propaganda. Okay. Harvard professor among three charged with lying about Chinese government ties. And this is published back in January 28th, 2020. Um, a Harvard uni University professor and two other Chinese nationals were federally indicted in separate cases for allegedly lying to the U.S. about their involvement with China's government. The U.S. attorney for the District of Massachusetts announced Tuesday Federal authorities told reporters that the cases highlighted the ongoing threat posed by China using non-traditional collectors for academics and researchers to steal American research and technology. Dr. Charles Lieber, 60, who is the chief Harvard chemistry and chemical biology, okay, uh, who is the chair of Harvard's chemistry and chemical biology department is accused of lying about working with several Chinese organizations where he collected hundreds of thousands of dollars from Chinese entities. So that's kind of, that's kind of disturbing. Now to take this back to um, urban outbreak, crimson contagion and event 201, what I think may have happened is that somebody somewhere said we're past due for one of these coronaviruses that are being manufactured in a lab from breaking out and we have caught these people trying to smuggle them out or steal them and they're not and they're stealing them in such a way that it's it would be pretty easy for this to uh, contaminate large groups of people and this could spread all over the world we should have some exercises to see what happens i think that that's that's one plausible explanation um i do think that if they they could honestly say that that's what they do and why they do it and that they have to do it live and in a deceptive way now this is they're causing a lot of pain and suffering but with the other stuff yes yeah, it's, it's kind of legit i imagine in their minds to do it like that to try to figure out what's going to happen that i mean they think of themselves as the technocracy what you were talking about before like this permanent bureaucracy the yeah. deep state this continuing government if they are really thinking of it like we have to run this country regardless of what people think they're voting for or whatever we have to run this country this is how we should do it but because of the impact i can't imagine that this is anything but a financial bailout but yeah but those things those stories all lead to a conclusion that this could be coming right that this could be uh ripe but it could also be that those are all easter eggs planted to validate the pandemic bioweapon mm -hmm. theory because I, I i run hot and cold on on this theory Whereas they knew for a while that it was either out or it was going to escape. 
And there's the other part of this, like the Bill Gates connection to all of this. Because Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation were one of the organizations that was in charge of running Event 201 out of New York City with this coronavirus pandemic exercise. And then you have Bill Gates, who has gone on record. I think he even had a TED talk where he was talking about how, you know, talking about how there are too many people in mm-hmm. the world. The world is overpopulated and we have to do something to depopulate the population. He also started a foundation with Warren Buffett that he roped Zuckerberg into, or Zuckerberg's just one of them from the get-go, where it was called like the Good Guys Club and it's billionaires. And they picked, they like did, took a vote and decided on what their cause celeb would be. And they all agreed that it would be population control. So this is a guy who stated that his number one goal is population control. And his father was the head of Planned Parenthood, I think, like around the time of Roe versus Wade or like before it was even legal. He was yeah. a, a, an active, I believe, abortion activist before Roe versus Wade, right. Bill Gates' father. Which is kind of scary in and of itself, where we have we have one of the world's richest men, Bill Gates, who has been talking for decades about depopulation and how depopulation <laughs> is so important. Now we have this pandemic outbreak and now he says that he's he's funding research into finding a cure or a vaccine for this pandemic. And a lot of people are raising flags. I I'm raising flags. I'm the one who just just by mentioning the fact that Bill Gates had this exercise called Event 201. I got I got 50 new followers on Twitter in a day by saying this is not a coincidence. Yeah, I think people see that he's he's been so in the forefront of this. And like another coincidence was Netflix in November of 2019. They have a show, I think, called Explained. And this episode was called Pandemic. And it's Bill Gates talking about the pandemic. And in one of the scenes, it cuts away to bats. (laughs) Bats flying. It's kind of funny. <laughs> now, there are a lot of there, now there are a lot of things that are just like you said. It, it, it's too strange for it to be a coincidence. Another great example of this, or another great concern, ought to be, um, like the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And one of the things that I had heard, and I'm still looking for confirmation on this, this could just be an ugly rumor or a a bad conspiracy theory. From what I have heard, that the Wuhan Institute of Virology has been manipulating viruses to see how bad bad can get. They've been doing experiments on animals. And then when they're done with the animals, they just drop them across the street at the Wuhan wet market where one of the first people allegedly got sick. Now, if now if it's true, I I think that there could be a case to be made that we could like like look at China and say, look, this is what you people did. You need to compensate the rest of the world somehow. You need to you need to make the rest of us whole. And I think that that could be a rabbit hole that we could go down and where it leads to is probably going to be a pretty ugly place. 
Um, well, I also think they're trying to gin up a cold war with China, and that could justify all sorts of trade laws, of subsidizing internal industries, of defense spending. I mean, it could be a, an excuse to subsidize telecom here, to like in the race for 5G, if they can act like China is a real threat, either with biological weapons or conventional weapons or nuclear weapons or anything like that and that they're crazy and poised to retaliate uh, they can justify just uh, decades of unnecessary diversion of wealth from taxpayers and all that i think they're really trying to gin up a cold war against china i don't think it's hot war but that's just right but you the scarier they seem the more you have to like combat it and get ahead of it i mean a hot war you could actually just spend money on the stuff you're going to use to fight by the cold war. You could justify like anything. Right. Like I'm, I'm sure that you remember what it was like growing up in the seventies and eighties with the threat of nuclear war. Yeah. I totally remember the cold war and, and nuclear war as a threat. Yes. I totally remember that. And I remember my father saying, no, you're so lucky that there's n no war in your lifetime. And it really wasn't that long between Vietnam and I guess the Iraq war. And I remember people were like completely freaked about Vietnam and there was just this lull. And I read a book by Irving Kristol called neoconservatism, the autobiography of an idea. And he said he was in a room with a bunch of Republicans and he couldn't believe that they were afraid to go to war. And he told them like, just start your war and then propagandize it. So people go along with it. Right. Don't be stupid. And then, and they did seem to get back on track. They had to have some reasons. They had to develop boogeyman. But I think the fact is they uh, they overcame their inhibitions, as he said. Mm -hmm. But but they had their hot war, and I guess that's when they could kind of let go of the Cold War with Russia when they started this kind of hot war in the Middle East. I don't know. I never really understood if they meant to to let the Cold War wind down or if it just happened because Reagan didn't wear a coat to his meeting with Gorbachev. I just don't know. But right. But I think the Cold War served a lot of purposes, and they'd sure like to have another one. And I think they were trying with Russia, and it's possible they just don't think Russia is scary enough. One of the things that I was looking at, and coincidentally, I was listening to your podcast, getting ready for this. Um, Mikhail Gorbachev has come out um, uh, from his gopher hole, and he has said, we need to start rethinking instituting a new world order. <laughs> And really? It, yes. I did not know. He, I mean, I haven't heard his him in the public eye in like 20 years almost. I'm looking it up again right now, thanks to DuckDuck. You know what? DuckDuckGo should hire me a, a, as one of their promoters. Cause I, I love DuckDuckGo, yeah. I I've always liked it. But there, there's something weird about it. It's hard for me to copy and paste when, it's, when I'm yeah. on my phone. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons why I use the Brave browser. This episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by Brave, the new browser. <laughs> hey, you should reach out to them. I should. I should. I could do their commercials here from home. Hi. Oh, um, worried about the NSA? Reading on what you're looking up right now? <laughs> by all means, try Brave with DuckDuckGo. Um, I like it. New World Order. Yeah. I, I, was, I was surprised. I thought it was like one of those... Um, it was it was it was one of those sort of like wait a minute didn't he pass away recently? I know not dead yet. 
I'm just looking at this. And it, but the, if, if people want to know who's they, who's running the world, who are these people, when I say they, 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 right. if you just look at the intro to Event 201, those are some they right there. That's it's it. the World That's... Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates, Johns Hopkins, NBC is in on it, the CDCs are in on it, the World Health Organization is in on it, the UN was there. I mean, they're they. Yeah. And they're all keeping their mouths shut. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. 13 hours ago. I'm not even really 13 hours ago or um, Gobachev calls for world leaders to revise entire global agenda. <laughs> if that, if that doesn't send chills up your spine, I don't, I don't know what will well, that couples with Kissinger put an op-ed out today. Yeah. I think it said basically the same thing. We need to just change everything because I mean, let's just be honest. And just to face the facts, the world is not going to be the same after yeah. this is lifted, whatever this is. Now, people are really getting sick. I know. I do. I do hear that. I know. I don't know anybody who's sick, but I know people who know people. Well, well, um, three people off the top of my heads. Oh, yeah. My, top of my head. <laughs> Your three heads. Three people that I can mention. I'm not going to do it on the air. I'm not going to do it live on mm -hmm. the air on my podcast because they're listeners and I, I don't want to violate the privacy. Um, I can tell you three people who have been super, super sick. Um, but they don't want to come out and say it's the COVID because I have a podcast and I have a big mouth. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think that if I were to ask you, 13 months ago, say, do you know three people who are really sick? Could you have said yes, possibly? Was there any time in the past year or two that you might know three people who are really sick? I can only come up with one. Yeah, okay. Because, like, I have kids, and they get the flu basically a lot. You yeah. know, I don't know if it's the flu or what, but they get really sick. There's at least one, if not all three of my kids, get really sick. And I... I never like panic because I just feel like, well, that's just what happens. And, and the kids are not getting sick. And that's very weird to me. I feel like if they said that this was the worst flu ever, the worst cold ever, and they didn't carve out that kids aren't getting it, like every mother in the world would know there is something not right about the story. So I'm a little confused about the story, right? but I know people are getting sick and I think they are getting sicker than normal. I think it's a different kind of sickness. I do. I think that there is something there, but I almost wonder if they saw this not novel coronavirus, there's 60, there's over 60 coronaviruses that we know about anyway. Right. Every year has a novel influenza virus because that's why the last flu doesn't protect you from the next flu, mm -hmm. according to the official story. So they maybe just saw it coming and thought it was a good time to launch all this pandemic stuff. I don't know. It is insane because yeah. I know. Now I'm a little worried, though, because Event 201 did say it was going to like flash six of right. months in. But, you know, I know of middle aged and older people who are definitely sick with this. Mm -hmm. OK, I know of three people who are genuinely are they in the hospital? Um, here's the scary thing, and I got to be careful how I say this. Yeah. Um, they aren't telling us, and I can't tell you. Like, yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. You know, when when I ask how so and so doing, 
they just like shake their heads. Because I think people get sicker in the hospital. Yeah. So if you freak out because you're sick and you go to the hospital, they put you in the ICU, they put you on a ventilator. I would say you're then all of a sudden the people you know are sicker than anyone you've ever known to be. Right. But I, I don't I think it is. And I am I am worried now that I start thinking about what Eventua one predicts. I am a little worried about I mean, I'm not worried about getting sick, but I just I don't like it. I think so far it looks like a drill, but I think it might go live. Right. Because one of the things that you've documented on your own podcast is that a lot of the um, fake bogus in-game news reports that they had, which sounded very real and very lifelike. I was nervous playing them on my radio program, my terrestrial radio program, because I thought people in their cars, it would be like a War of the Worlds thing. Like, oh, my gosh, 65 million people are dying. You know, I was a little nervous playing those because they were so authentic. But now so I played those on the air on February 8th before it happened at all. If I played it now, people wouldn't even be impressed because it's so totally tracks with what's actually happening and be like, yeah, whatever, obviously, you know, it wouldn't scare anybody because they already think that's what's happening. Now you say that you've been investigated, especially since you're in the CDC's backyard. I don't, I don't know if I've been investigated. I just, I was complained about like when I, so like WSB where I used to work would get not usually I used to say stuff. I mean, there were no holds barred for me. I would just, I would, there would be official narratives and I would call them out, whatever. And my boss was surprised that he got so few complaints about me. But when I, one time I talked about how I just realized or found out, or they just discovered that the chicken pox vaccine only protects you for like 10 years. So here I was, I got all my kids, the chicken pox vaccine. And then just when they are older, they would be vulnerable again. And it's so much worse to get when you're older. And I would not have gotten it if I had to do over again. And that was the time my boss said, man, we have never gotten so many complaints about you. And that's when I thought it must be the CDC. He didn't care. But then he left and they sold like the, they sold the company and he left basically that day. And that was it for me. But it was right then when the COVID stuff happened and I started talking about it and I could only assume it was self-evident, in my opinion. But I can't imagine that people driving around that town working with the CDC weren't on the alert. They have an intel bureau. Sure. The CDC has an intel bureau. So sure. and, I, and I know they already didn't like me. Now, so but. You're saying that you're not, you weren't being monitored by anybody that you know of. You just know that. Well, I mean, I got trolled all the time. I mean, there were definitely people who were listening to me and calling into my show on a weekly basis who didn't agree with the word I said using the same voice, using different names. Right. But I think that kind of trolling is kind of par for the course. But I mean, but shoot, if your dad was tapping your brother's girlfriend's phone, I, I can't imagine that. Yep. One of the th- one of one of the things I also want to just make absolutely totally make absolutely totally perfectly clear. My dad was not in charge of anything, but my dad was the I mean my dad was the spook. My dad was yeah, yeah. got it done. That's it's yeah, the that's it. It's the tactics where the rubber meets the road that people that's a stumbling point. They right. just can't believe it really happens. But like when you pointed out, it's the lobbyists. It's those nexuses that really bring home how it probably happens or how it could happen. Right. 
And it does. And in some cases, in your personal experience, it's, that's how it does happen. Because you because, you know, when you see a politician that's flipped on a position abruptly, you can you can just imagine somebody showing up to a congressman's or a senator's office saying, OK, we got to shut the door. And they shut the door and then they and they pull out a manila envelope from their briefcase and said, hey, listen. Our guy, our, our guy in the Boston office, Chuck, went through your your trash, your trash and found this. Um, we also had people who were had like, a, a telescopic lens on their camera and they saw you doing this at Epstein's party the other night. Or even worse, because Jeffrey Epstein had his house wired for audio and visual. So they probably. Well, that's why I think he was a spy. Right. And it was just like, we need you to vote this certain way on this bill. And the senator congressman says, but that goes against my entire platform. This goes against. And he says, listen, do you want us to release this to the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Fedora Chronicles radio show? Because we will. Because we will. What about deep fakes? They don't even have to actually get. They don't even have to do that anymore. No, I, I, I think that deep fakes are not so good quite yet. But I do think I don't think surveillance is ever ever going to go away, even with deep fakes, because if you can catch somebody actually doing something and they know they did that, and they know that's not a deep fake. I think that that's more valuable than a deep fake. Yeah, and surveillance probably provides a lot of psychological profiling oh, absolutely. that will help you manipulate a person. If you catch somebody on audio video actually doing something nefarious and they know it's them and there's no plausible deniability, like we actually have your credit card information and we have four or five eyewitnesses who work at the hotel who say you were there and your cell phone was pinged in that hotel room we got you dead to rights i don't think surveillance like that is ever going to go away even with deep fakes yeah that sounds right Um, and i actually think that most of the time like you say it never gets anywhere but the governor of georgia brian kemp who is real he just was bad news. He was a secretary of state. There was hacking in the 2016 election there, and he got away with it. He ran against Stacey Abrams, who for some reason never brought that up, even though to me she could have brought him down. But he had beaten his primary opponent, Cagle, I think the guy, I, I, if I recall correctly, by getting a friend of his or the nephew of a friend of his or whatever to go in wired to this guy's office, who was an all-time politician, and set him up with saying stuff like, kind of like Rod Blagojevich, right. where they got him to say, this is how bills are made and laws are passed. And you're like, yeah, yeah, of course, it goes against everything I think, but we got to do it because that's how politics works. And I, I, my guess is that they went to Cagle and they said, look, we have this tape. And he said, forget that. I'm not buying what you're selling. I can explain this. And of course, he couldn't or gave justification to actually steal the vote since Brian Kemp was the secretary of state, I think, when the vote happened. But they, I think a lot of times it's just enough to have something that could be spun badly and they they just capitulate even if they could explain it away if it isn't what it looks like but they just know that that you just once it's in the court of public opinion like Lori Lachlan if you're interested in 
again, so the truth of things, she was absolutely framed and railroaded. She was completely innocent. I said that from day one, but the court of public opinion has already convicted her and she'll just never get her position back. You, you mean the full house actress on, on Becky, um, was offered a sweetheart deal. We can get Olivia Jade, um, into college if you just pay us half a million dollars. I don't think that's how it happened. How do you think it happened? Well, I read the FBI affidavit, which actually has the people who were setting her up saying, I hope the parents don't figure it out. I think Olivia Jade was a YouTube star and could have gotten into USC, no problem. Her father was an acquaintance of and went golfing with the head of the athletic department. And that guy, Rick Singer, told him, he said, oh, I'm having, I'm, go- I'm going to Augusta with the head of the athletics department. Should I mention my daughter's application? He said, no, they want you to give a million bucks. I'll, I'll just, if you just give my foundation $500,000, that'll satisfy them and it'll be fine. And we want an action shot, put her on an erg or whatever. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. But I think that kid would have gotten in anyway. And they they were actively plotting to make sure Lori and her husband did not know what was really going on. And then recently... I said literally did a show about it in March of 2019, like just read the court documents and you know this one. She, of all the people, is innocent here. And uh, and then Rick Singer, the con man who set her up, she has him on tape saying the FBI told me to lie about you and to you and make fraudulent phone calls setting you up, even though I told them that that's not what happened. I think she's going to get off. Because you look at something like entrapment and entrapment has been in the news a lot um i think it's i think that it's much harder to entrap people with all the tools that we have at our fingertips like if you wanted to go and read an fbi doc document or an affidavit you don't actually have to go to the fbi office you could get it off online it was so easy to get and i I would tell people i'm like read it but it was 200 pages long and nobody wanted to read it but it was she was not it wasn't 200 pages about her but yeah i mean that's when but but you know they try to intimidate you out of using a good lawyer and when she got the lawyer she got who was a prosecutor again for enron against enron I knew that if, and they tried to get her separated from her husband and the lawyer or whatever, but I knew if she got that good lawyer that she would prevail just based on what was on the accusation against her alone, that they had nothing and that she was ahead of it. But she's, yes, she's going to, I think that she will not, I think she'll be, she'll get out of it, but she's ruined. I think that there's the story behind the story that's behind the story. Why? Why did they do this? Ah, I, this is why I started investigating it. Because all the other guys I didn't know, but my co-host Binkley said, oh, did you know that she's a conservative Christian? And I said, she's a conservative Christian? Like she goes out there and calls herself a moral person with strong, and she's like just a two-bit cheater? And that's why of all the people who were accused, I didn't investigate anybody else. I investigated her because I was like, maybe they're just targeting her to discredit her because they don't like her politics. And they're just going to throw her in with the bathwater. They didn't take down Joe Montana or Phil Mickelson, who really is no good. Those people used Rick Singer and they were just like, oh, there was nothing to that. That was completely legit. Why did they throw her in there? And I think it's because they didn't like her, her politics. Hollywood is not friendly to that stuff. 
That seems like an a lot of effort to take somebody down. I'm playing the devil's advocate, obviously. Yeah, I just think they threw her into the hopper. They could have given her a pass like they gave to Mickelson, but they didn't. And I don't think they thought she was gonna she was gonna do anything but capitulate like everybody else. It would have taken her out of her hallmark role as an admirable person, but she fought it. And that's it. That's it. When when you fight against it. But I, I personally think that they're out to get not to get her, maybe they're out to get her husband. There's some there there seems to be a little bit more behind this other than the fact that she's a loudmouth conservative who likes to talk about her values all the time. I think that there's something more to it. Uh, there's there, are they are they trying it seems like it seems like they're trying to take somebody else down that's adjacent to Lori Lachlan. I don't know. I didn't see anything else. Yeah. You know, I just didn't. All I ever see now is what's in the newspaper and that original affidavit. But I don't know really. I never really was a fan of hers. I don't know much about her. I know that her daughter seems to then be rising in popularity would maybe have carried on another generation of, you know, somebody who doesn't a family who doesn't like get into lockstep. I mean, she's not coming out saying she has COVID-19. Yeah. Um, that's that brings me to the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and that's deplatforming. Um, obviously, you've you've been deplatformed from your terrestrial a couple of times. A couple of times. Well, tell <laughs> My me about, WordPress site. I was really devastated well, by that. Well, well, tell me about your WordPress site and what happened with that. There was a weird thing going around. There's one for COVID also, like the youngest person in Europe to die was a different name, but the same picture as the youngest person in England to die. I don't know if you saw that, a picture of um, this kid in Portugal and and in the UK. So it was the same picture, but supposedly two different kids. Right. Well, the Pakistan school massacre happened and there was a woman standing outside it with a picture of her son, or it was reported by the BBC as her son. His name was like Abdul Abdullah or something like that. And it was not a picture of the kid, but it was the same picture as Noah Posner who died in Sandy Hook. And I knew there was something screwy about that. There was no way half the world did not know who that kid was. So I posted on my site the BBC article, the picture of the mom, like several pictures of them reporting that photograph as being a different person. And I got a a couple of emails from WordPress saying, Noah Posner's father wants you to take these pictures down. And so at first I did. And then there were a few pictures. So they sent me a different letter for each one, email. And by the third one, my husband said, like, you shouldn't be intimidated. That's fair use. You should you should leave it up. And WordPress actually in the email did two weird things. One is they said, we think you have the right and we are citing. We fight for our clients for this right. And here is the last case we fought and we won it. Here's the link. And then at the bottom of the thing was the complaint from Noah Posner's father including his address and phone number, which was such a weird thing to like throw out there for all the people who are going to be annoyed by this. And then they, uh, the Alex Jones thing came up where he was supposedly deplatformed, but I'm sure he didn't use WordPress. Right. And, and they took me down and they, and I asked them for an explanation. They wouldn't give me an explanation. I had a business plan, so I was paying extra. It was my, it, I was absolutely relying on it. I barely got just like the raw text out of it. There was an XLM or whatever they call yep. it, XML file. Yep. I barely got it. Just, they, they're like, you have one week to pull this file, but that was like in the fine print 
someone told me to look for it, they would not give me any explanation for why they took me down. And they took not only my site down, but other sites like my co-host site and our podcast site along with it. Everything went down. This is a conversation that I have with a lot of people um, when running my website. I had a close friend who says, why don't you use a content management system like WordPress or Blogger or any of the other ones? I still do everything with HTML and I upload all of my pages myself. Um, it may look a little primitive because I'm so busy podcasting and researching your shows. Um, and I have a internet service provider who stands by their customers. And you can post anything so long as it's not overtly racist or just plain vanilla racist or pornographic. Right. Um, or calls people to violence. Like call, I had somebody say right. that. Or like you just or, can't <laughs> encourage people to hurt each other. Or, or, or call pe people to violence. Um, I have had a lot of people call me out and try to shut me down because of some of the things that I had said. Whereas... Um, I actually encourage people to go to WikiLeaks. Don't listen to me. Don't trust me and believe everything that I say is the truth. I want you to go out and do your own research. Here's what I want you to do. I got into trouble because I, mean, I encouraged my listeners and my readers to go to WikiLeaks. That's, it turns out that's supposed to be a huge no-no. One of the things I've also noticed is some of our pages have been removed from Google search results. Fine example, one of the articles that got me into trouble was an article that I wrote back in, it was December 2010. And the title of the, of the article was, The Information is Not Secure. And I basically lambasted the Department of Homeland Security that was lying to us by saying that the images that they have in the full body quote, nude, unquote, scanners would yes. never be released to the public. <sighs> right around the time, the Pentagon, D DARPA, the CIA, all of these agencies are having their mail published on WikiLeaks. Now, the Department of Homeland Security and the TSA, the TSA is basically run by high school dropouts who just... <laughs> hardly even they don't even some of them don't even show up to work and do a decent job they just they have the blue gloves and they pat people down on the crotch and they send them on their way how do you expect these people to keep your information your quote nude unquote image out of the hands of perverts on the on on these pornographic websites from let's say Kate Upton goes through one of these body scanners. What, right, people will recognize her. What makes you think that those pictures are not going to wind up out on the internet in the nude body scanners or pictures of your of your children? How do you know that those images are not going to show up on some perv's website? Um. And I got a visit from somebody from the Department of Homeland Security saying, why are you bad-mouthing our agency and why are you encouraging everybody to go to WikiLeaks? Not in, not in person. Oh, yes, in person. Wow, really? Yeah. They came, they, came into, they came into my house 
Well, actually, they said, hey, can we speak to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And they, they just assumed that I said, come on in. And they were actually standing here in this <laughs> very room. And they said, wow, you got a lot of computers here. What are you doing with all of these computers? And, and, I, and I told them, this is what I do. And I says, oh, that's, that's interesting. You know, there's somebody here in the neighborhood who's publishing subversive material that we don't, we don't think that's, that's, that's healthy for, for the government, for, for, the, uh, for the American populace. And that person should really stop what they're saying. That's just not cool. Um, you know, if you know who I'm talking about, maybe you should tell them to stop. <laughs> um, and, they, and they went around some of the local businesses that I frequent, and they talked to the, some of the business owners. And they said, hey, do you know this guy, Eric Fisk, who runs his website? And I said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's publishing subversive things on, on, on the Internet. You should keep an eye out for him. And one of the guy who one of the guys who runs the pizza joint where we get dinner twice a month, they said, "Yeah, I know him, and I was on his podcast. He's a good guy. Get the hell out of here." But I'm noticing, and a lot of other people are noticing that Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms are flagging or removing people's comments about the covid like um my wife was telling me about how there's a video of an orangutan washing his hands and somebody put the caption this orangutan is doing his best to fight covid19 facebook flagged it and then took it down why that doesn't even seem that bad it, just because it, it took it lightly it, 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 i guess no explanation no explanation. Um, and I have published links to some of my episodes in some of, and these are conspiracy theory groups on Facebook. I've noticed some of those posts have been taken down. Listen, you know, look, if, if you go to conspiracy theory group on Facebook, you know what you're getting into. You <laughs> yeah, know, right. take it with a grain of salt. I do it just to promote my my, yeah. my brand. Um, now those websites, those groups are are being scrutinized. Is this is this all part of the plan? Did they did they have this all worked out as part of Event Two Hundred One, or or is this? Well, that was in the Event Two Hundred One stuff. Is that the time for social media? to consider itself a neutral platform is over and this is the watershed moment. That was one of the things that the, I think it was, was it the Henry Schein guy? Like uh, that's a medical supply manufacturer. He said that, but the, but Facebook, I kind of stopped using it a long time ago because they were just, it got, you couldn't post anything that wasn't acceptable or mainstream without having like a terrible troll problem. Like people would just say all nasty things underneath it. And I noticed this, if, if you, if you let them leave their comments, like that was the first comment, then leave you alone. But if I answered the comments so that that would push their comment down, they'd come back. Like it was obviously a troll thing and it just got exhausting. So I kind of stopped doing using it. But I think they're I think they're even worse than Twitter. I, Twitter just for me, Twitter's just been suppressing my tweets. It is no. hasn't taken me down, which I appreciate. 
of, of of course of course the kids are here in quarantine and you can actually i don't know if you could hear them in the background the ups I can hear something the ups driver just dropped off a package this is the only social interaction that these kids get <laughs> So they're like, they thank you, thank oh, you. The UPS man is here. Oh my God, know? our savior, our <laughs> our UPS delivery man, who art in brown truck, hallowed be thy name. Yes, it's like the mail at camp, you know, like exactly. they gather around once a week exactly. for the mail truck to come. Like, exactly. oh my gosh, mail. Yeah. <laughs> like we're all completely yeah. isolated. Yeah. Um. So we so we've been recording for about an hour and 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 a half almost with the um what's the, i'm not sure i'm not sure if we're at the point where i should be asking you what's the end game because i have huh, I, there I are know. there's so much because the thing is there's so much other material out there like we could spend another half hour just talking about darpa yeah. we could talk about he yeah, the are you thinking of the end game for this, the coronavirus? Or I think, I mean, I think the end game for this is a a kind of a leveling up in the technological society where they like just I think it's very similar to how they shook out home ownership ten years ago. I mean, that was you know function of the mortgage thing, whatever. There's a real crisis, but then a lot fewer people, many fewer people had home ownership and now i think many fewer people will have small businesses i think wages will be depressed i think you'll have universal basic income i think you'll have fewer people going to offices you'll have more technology as being the interface it'll be a stepping stone to the virtual uh you know kind of ai virtual reality interaction like demolition man yeah i think that they'll do a lot of that and at the same time bring this uh, shore up the money thing, make it a little more concentrated at the top. And then one thing I've been piecing together is this, uh, I was reading a thing on the IMF blog saying that the federal digital currency that the government's talking about would actually be a way to implement negative interest rates. And I think that's coming. And James Corbett had a report where he said that the, that the federal digital cu currency would be accepted if people needed it to get their kind of dole check or whatever, their yeah. stimulus check, whatever it is. And I noticed just today in the paper, whatever, in the on the headlines that the small business program is having problems getting executed through the banks. So I feel like there's going to be like a major currency change. I don't think it's the end game where like all of a sudden we have a non-dollar basket of goods. I think we'll launch. It'll launch the Chinese Cold War. I mean, that, I, I, I don't. The end game, I really don't know. I don't know if the end game is cyborgs and a, you know, universal <laughs> president. But I think this round, which will be another year in the making, I think, is is going to fundamentally yeah. transform the society. I, I absolutely, totally agree with you, because let's look at what happens after September eleventh, two thousand one where um, so many police forces, local police forces were militarized, whereas all these police forces were able to buy up surplus assault vehicles and full body armor. Um, it's the surveillance state has run amok and 
how, how many how many it's 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 coming up on what is it it's almost 19 years since september 11th it's mm -hmm. it's um we're yeah. about we're about a year and a half away from the 20th anniversary mm -hmm. everybody has surveillance cameras everywhere um everybody has home security systems that are cheap and easy to install I think September 11th fundamentally changed the United States in ways that we're just so used to it now, we don't even recognize it. I get really annoyed at the airport already. I think now when they ask me for a biological sample or to scan my vaccine tattoo at the airport, I mean, I might just be an obsoleted person who can't function in society anymore because I'm too old to learn that right. trick. Because the thing is, my wife and I had a little bit of a heated discussion about whether or not they're going to demand vaccination tattoos. And I'm pretty I'm pretty sure yeah. that having a vaccination tattoo on the back of your hand or on your forehead <laughs> is that's not too far away. And now that gets into now these a lot of people are going to be saying, oh, my God, that's the sign of the beast from the book of revelations mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you can't you can't do business you can't do commerce mm -hmm. unless you have well the social security number was that right and total surveillance in my opinion started with obamacare which was a health thing the health thing was always about information and having nobody exempted from it like the selective service not everyone had to do that you could if you don't want to work you could do without a social security card, it would be tough, but you could do it. But with Obamacare, it is the only thing I could think of where it reaches down on you and demands that you register. You must register. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think. I, I think that this is like one of those cases, like Rahm Emanuel had said, never let a good crisis go to waste. I do think that this is some kind of event. They had advanced warning that it was going to happen. They just by looking at event 201, uh, yeah, 201. There's no way that you can look at event 201 and not say there's something wrong here. It's not, they didn't just have a, a, an exercise coincidentally. And then this thing is playing out almost exactly the way they said it was going to play out in event. 201 and it's such a black swan thing like if you i mean you you're you can tell it personally but you can talk to financial guys and news people like, that will all say like you i couldn't even imagine something like this happening i couldn't even imagine it and here it was absolutely scripted in advance not that long ago so it really could not be a coincidence since it was kind of beyond the realm of likelihood it would be a useless scenario to simulate if it was completely beyond the realm of possibility. And it was until it happened. And it's happening in a way that does not follow from the stats that we've been given as they've been making policy. Yeah. I mean, it's just like anecdotal stuff out of China, whereas real stats like came out of Iceland indicate nothing more than a normal flu season. Now, I'm not getting ahead of that because I am a little worried about what's going to happen next month. But... Yeah, it does seem like it can't be a coincidence. It does seem to me that they are using this catastrophe to get everything that they've ever wanted. 
and there's more things coming down the pike. And on top of that, you have people like Bill Gates saying, we might have to self-quarantine for 18 months. How how are you going to pay for that? Who's going to pay it's for that? It's so regressive. I mean, the richer you are, the bigger the house, the more ability you have to stockpile, the more money you have in the bank, the people you will be able to handle it. The people who really, really will suffer are people with small houses, not a lot of money, or people who just retired and half of their savings was wiped out by the stock market. And half of the time, those people will sell at the bottom because they just can't take more than 50% loss. I'll have to go back to work and there are no jobs. I mean, it's regressive. It's outrageous. And they do calculate stuff like this in terms of lives and dollars per life or dollar per life year, no calculus could possibly justify what they've been doing so far. Now, I don't know what's going to happen next month, though. Right. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, all of April and May is going to really sort of determine what happens and and how how is the next 20 years going to play out. And I think that what (laughs) a lot of people need to do is go back and start reading history. What happened after the Spanish flu? What happened in the decades after that? And that you look at what happened in Europe after the pandemic with the Spanish flu. And you could, Good you, point. You, you could, you could, you could make the argument that if it wasn't for the Spanish flu that decimated the economy in Europe, we never would have had the rise of fascism in Spain, Italy, and Germany, and to another extent in Japan. I'm conv- I'm convinced that this this is a, a historical event. This is a history changing yeah. event. Yeah, that's a good point. And and actually. I don't know if you've read this as kind of old, but Report from Iron Mountain is this book. It's like 88 pages. It was supposed to be a true story. It's probably a stylized version of how it really works without being strictly true story. But it talks about how with the advent of nuclear weapons, a conventional war that could serve a lot of purposes, such as (laughs) solve unemployment, take care of excess population, get people to resume renew their loyalty to their country um whatever make government bigger all that kind of stuff that war is used for is going to be harder to come by because nuclear war is so hard to justify and that they needed a substitute for that and this feels like consistent with what you're saying that war substitute that serves many many purposes changes the world that's what the carnegie endowment did in the like 19 13 or 16 or something like that, they conducted a project on how to fundamentally change society. And what they wanted to do was transform America from being individualistic to collectivist. And they said the conclusion was the way to fundamentally transform a society is through war. And then not too long after that, we were in World War One. But this surely seems to be having that that magnitude of impact. And then you also look at the, the 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 meeting at Jekyll Island that took place in 1910. Yeah, it, it, it took place from November 20th to November 30th in 1910. And, and um, that's when some of the most powerful people in the world at the time met. And they actually had um, 
the blue, the blueprint for what we now call the Federal Reserve. And one of the things that this look, how, how do we, how do we get this federal, how do we get this national bank up and off the ground? We need to have a crisis. And then a couple of years later, we had World War One. It's funny because if it weren't for the Fed, we could never have participated in World War One to that level. Just we just had to print that money. If it wasn't for the Federal Reserve, there's a lot of things that we couldn't do. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. but they don't need the Federal Reserve anymore because Trump instituted infinite money. You don't need it anymore. The reserve requirement is zero, which means any bank can produce as much money as it wants. All you need is a charter. How do I get a charter? How can how can I exactly? That's what I was saying. People are just like, "Hey, don't you think there should be laws against discriminating against women?" And I said, "Absolutely not. Just give me a charter, and I will open Chick Bank. We work harder for less." But guess what? <laughs> Nobody's giving me a charter. And that's the question. I think, and maybe that's maybe maybe that's a topic for another podcast where we where we actually examine how do you get a charter? Yeah. You know? And it was just like, "Hey, listen, wait a minute." I have some Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop skills. <laughs> I have a, a, a really high-end printer and some really great parchment paper. I can create for you your own charter. It yeah, but now all you need is federal digit dollars. That's right. Digital dollars. That's right. But I do, I do, think, I do think for, I, I mean, I know for a fact that this is, this is a real medical crisis. Um. And that they are, there are people who are definitely sick and they are definitely dying. Simultaneously, I can tell you that I'm looking at this and um, they are exploiting this crisis for their own personal gain. And I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we are going to be literally and figuratively a year from now. I don't, I yeah, don't, you I know. I have no vision of that either. Yeah. Anyway, um, why, don't, so why don't we wrap this up now? And why don't you tell my listeners, how can we find you? How can we, how can we follow you online and tell us a little bit about your podcast and how we can find it on iTunes? Okay. Great. Thank you. The, my show is the, my overarching brand is the propaganda report, which I do with my co-host Brad Binkley. So it started out as just maybe every other week doing a deep dive, 90 minutes of like, yeah, do you get a charter? Or did you hear what the Navy of war college was up to last September? Here's clips of them talking about it in their own words. But then as news started coming fast and furious, we decided to do a daily show called the Drive Time News Blast, which you can also find under the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform. And it's 30 minutes every day of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. And if you want to be a patron, you can go to Patreon for Propaganda Report, and we give an extra 15 minutes every single day. And that's only five bucks a month because after I lost my WSB show, I kind of have to pay the bills. As you know, this stuff isn't yeah, free. Yeah. But yeah, so, but it's Drive Time News Blast. It's under the Propaganda Report feed. And if you want to go to our website to kind of get, we also have like a, a forum there where people talk to each other, especially if you don't like to use Twitter. That's at thepropreport.com. So the Propaganda Report is the podcast feed and thepropreport.com is the website. And we're definitely going to have links on the show page, which I actually created already. You can just go to the Fedora Chronicles 
and just do a quick search. It's here somewhere buried in all of my show notes here. <laughs> it's yeah. it's interview with Monica Perez from the Propaganda Report podcast for March 7th. I'm sorry, April 7th, 2020. See, that's the thing. I've been cooped up in this house. I don't even know what day yes, or what month it totally. is. Totally. Totally. I completely lose track. Like Easter is coming. It's Holy Week for heaven's sake. I, I had to keep I had to keep looking at my cell phone. Is it Sunday? Is it Friday? <laughs> is it Wednesday? I had to keep like, what day is it? Because the entire is it morning is it afternoon? I'm still in my pajamas. Really? No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No. OK. <laughs> well, but but the people listening. The people listening can imagine you in your pajamas. <laughs> oh, it's not pretty. My pajamas are basically, I have this funny little meme I tweet out once in a while of Bobby Hill in his you know, green pajamas, just doing nothing all day. And right. it's, it, that is, our, my household is degenerating into basically, don't get dressed, don't even bother. Right. Our house is slowly transforming to animal house. I was going to say, my dogs are right at home. They're just like, yeah, why did it take you guys so long to realize you could just lay around all day? Exactly, (laughs) exactly. So I want to have you on the show again and talk about whatever developments happen. And I want to be able to keep in touch with you and and just follow. Yeah, yeah. Twitter is great for me. Monica Perez Show on Twitter, at Monica Perez Show. And anybody wants to follow me, I usually follow back if I notice it. If I don't notice it. Tell me and I'll follow you back. Exactly. And I DM. I'm like constantly on Twitter. I literally answer every single tweet right, I get. So. Right. Because I, I wake up like in the middle of the night to let the dogs go out to do their business. And I will like check Twitter to see what's going on in the other parts of the world. And it's and it's funny to see how this how these news bubbles move across the globe with the sun and seeing mm-hmm. how, how things develop. So I want to keep in touch with you and I want to have you on the show again. Um, talk about how this story is developing because I don't I don't think that they're done. I don't think they are done doing whatever it is that they're doing. I agree with you anytime. And I need and I need somebody to come on the show once in a while, other than my co-host Jay, to say, No, Eric, you're not crazy. It is messed up. You're not down the rabbit hole far enough. I can make you look less down the rabbit hole. Let's do that. Because <laughs> I'm always further down the rabbit hole than anybody else. All right. <laughs> Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric Render-King-Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug terms and conditions apply and thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing 
You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by All of Musique. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on. <laughs> <laughs>